Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to this Old Testament podcast. Today's episode is Exodus 23. All right, verse 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Oh, by the way, um, you know the prayer shawls that the Jews use to, uh, when they pray and so on, that they wear these things that have strings hanging down and knots tied in them and stuff like that? Did you know that those represent all the laws of the, that they were given in these scriptures here? There's about 613 of them. And each of the strings and each of the knots, uh, each of the turns in the knots and so on, represent all 613 of them and also the corners of the shawl so that when they pray, they gather up the corners and they hold on to those. And that's what they think of, that they need to make sure that they keep all 613 laws. Well, as you're reading through this uh, in Exodus and other chapters in the Old Testament, it gives us an idea of what laws they're talking about. So like these here, the very first one, don't raise a false report. That's one of the laws that they're talking about. So, alrighty, <clears throat> verse 1, Thou shalt not raise a false report, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Neither shalt thou countenance a wicked man in, in his cause. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden, and wouldst forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of thy poor in his cause. Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise, and perverteth the words of the righteous. Many people think of the law of Moses as being summarized by the requirement of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. They picture a system of fierce retaliation and brutal punishment. In Exodus 23, 1-8 is an excellent example of the inaccuracy of that conception. Here are laws requiring a high degree of morality, justice, and righteousness, and requirements to do good to one's neighbor. In an age where wickedness abounds, where gossip and slander are commonplace, where men follow the, the fads and fashion of evil and greedy men, where evil men... Um, or evil men, let's see, Joseph corrected the word poor in verse 3 to read wicked, are often supported and even glorified, where many people refuse to get involved in the problems or misfortunes of their neighbors, where exploitation of the poor and ignorant is widespread, and when bribery and corruption are daily fair, the world would do well to turn to such laws and follow them. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 9, also thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for ye know that Ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. In six years thou shalt sow thy land, and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest, and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat. And what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyard, and with thy olive yard. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be, may be refreshed. Again, nothing that is untrue, unloving, or unjust is to be said, done, or attempted. 
and that not merely in public dealings, but personal dislike is not to influence conduct. On the contrary, all loving help is to be given even to an enemy in time of need. The poor and persecuted are not to be unjustly dealt with. No bribe is to be taken, for the gift maketh open eyes blind and perverteth the causes of the righteous. And the same rule is to apply to the stranger as to Israel. Finally, in this connection, the seventh year, the seventh years and the seventh days rest are referred to not so much in their religious character as in their bearing upon the poor and the workers. Verse 13, And in all things that I have said unto you, be, be circumspect, and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. The purpose of the holy days was twofold. First, to help Israel, Israel remember their deliverance from bondage through the power of God. And second, to assist them in continuing the covenant relationship with Jehovah. The heart of the practice was to promote trust in the Lord. Verse 15, Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee in the time appointed of, of the month Abib, or for in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field, three times in the year all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of the first the first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Now this phrase here, uh, verse nineteen, thou shalt not see a kid in his mother's milk, is the whole reason for koshered food. And I'll tell you a little bit about that here in a second. Passing from the statutes fixing the civil and social position of all in Israel to their religious position relatively to Jehovah, we have first of all an injunction of the three great annual feasts. Although strictly religious festivals, they are here viewed primarily not in their symbolical and typical meaning, which is universal and eternal, but in their national bearing, the Paschal Feast as that of Israel's deliverance from Egypt, the Feast of Weeks as that of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, and the Feast of Tabernacles as that of final ingathering. Of the three ordinances which now follow, the first refers to the Paschal Sacrifice, and the second to the Feast of First Fruits or of Weeks, that's um, Pentecostal. And then, um, let's see, where, did it, where was it? The first refers to the Paschal Feast, the first fruits of weeks. From this, it would follow that the prohibition to seethe a kid in its mother's milk must at least primarily have borne some reference to the festivities of the week of tabernacles, perhaps as the learned rabbinical commentator Arben, uh, Abarbanel suggests because some such practices were connected with heathen idolatries rites at the at the time of the ingathering of fruits and that was by Edersheim. So the the phrase here, thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk, notice what it's 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 the combination of meat and milk. And so Jews today, uh, koshered foods means that it's either meat or it's milk, dairy, or that kind of relation, so that there's not any meat associated with it. So milk um, so fruit and vegetables can be done uh, if you have milk, yogurt, uh, butter, whatever, you, or not butter, you can't have butter. But um, anyway, 
you can't have uh, meat and milk combined together. And so Jews are very careful when they do kosher food to make sure that those aren't mixed. Uh, when I was in Israel, we, we would have either a, a, a dairy-based um, meal or it was a meat-based meal, but you didn't mix the two. Verse 20, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. God promised five things to Israel for their obedience. First, an angel of the Lord would lead them into the promised land. Second, they would be blessed with good health. Third, they and their flocks would be greatly multiplied. Fourth, they would be successful in their fight against heathen nations. And fifth, they would ultimately inherit everything from the Red Sea to the, to the Euphrates. That was out of the Institute Manual again. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee, and I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee, until thou be increased, and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines, and from the desert unto the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. Here they are not supposed to make treaties even with these nations. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. The judgments which the Lord enjoins upon his people are appropriately followed by promises in which as their king and lord he undertakes their guidance and protection and their possession of the land he had assigned to them. First and foremost, assurance is given them in the personal presence of Jehovah in that angel in whom is the name of the Lord. This was no common angel, however exalted, but a manifestation of Jehovah himself, prefigurative of and preparatory to his manifestation in the flesh in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For all that is here said of him is attributed to the Lord himself in Exodus 13.21, while in Exodus 13.14 and 15 he is expressly designated as the face of Jehovah. Accordingly, all obedience is to be shown to his guidance, and ever, every contact with idolatry and idolaters avoided. In that case, the Lord would fulfill every good and gracious promise to his people, and cause them to possess the land in all its extent. Again, that was Edersheim. Anyway, that's the end of chapter 23. Come back tomorrow for 24. Alrighty, bye.